0: Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who used to be a little boy, so old in his shoes. He's the killer in me and the killer in you. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate.
1: Hola, Ben Hameen.
0: So for this episode, we have a special guest. He was the guitarist for the band that we featured on our episode celebrating the album Hot Fuss. Yes, that's the debut record from the band The Killers. His most recent record is a solo effort called Prismism under the band name Kooning. And so please welcome to the podcast, Dave Kooning. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're excited for this. Uh, Wayne and I both are unabashedly Killers fans. We've already done a... We've already done a record on on uh, or an episode on your your debut record. And uh, we'll, we'll, well, I'm sure we'll chat about that. But uh, we definitely want to talk about your solo stuff. And uh, we'll talk about that here in a moment. But as we do for each of our episodes, we ask the all important question. So uh, what T-shirt are you wearing? Let's start with Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing, Wayne?
1: I am wearing my
0: Black Sabbath T-shirt. And which which one would this be? Is this a logo shirt? Or...
1: Yeah, just it just says Black Sabbath. Doesn't uh okay. There's no skulls or blood or upside down crosses. <laughs> All right. How about you, Dave?
0: I'm wearing my uh, Jimi Hendrix t-shirt. Nice, fantastic. Yeah. All right. And uh, I am wearing a uh, non music t-shirt. Well, by the time we broadcast this, Edgar Martinez. The fantastic DH for the Seattle Mariners will have been inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I am going up there for the induction ceremony. So I am wearing one of my vintage Seattle Mariners logo T-shirts. So there you go. Non-music related, but uh, felt like I had to give a little props for for my man, Edgar. Um, so welcome to the Hall of Fame, Edgar. All right on. All right. So let's, let's chat Kooning. So with your new record, it's being credited as just Kooning. So you consider this a solo record or is Kooning supposed to be like a, a band name?
2: Yeah, a little of both. I had such a hard time, um, finding band names that would stick, but I wanted it to at least feel like a band name instead of just being my name. Um, so I went
0: with that. I may uh, I may still try a band name on a future record. All right. I I was listening here's a little blast from the past. So I was listening to some old Judy Bats uh, not too long ago. And Jeff Highschool, who is the lead singer for the Judy Bats, he also goes by high school for his his solo project. So I was wondering if there's maybe a, a trend going on with uh with people who are well established within the industry, just going by their last name for their solo stuff.
2: Maybe, maybe there's a trend, but I found that like any band name idea I had was taken. It seemed like, um, so I think that it could have been that too. If you asked him, he probably said, well, I looked and looked and any phrase or
0: idea you've had someone else has thought of that too. So. I feel like that's probably a sign of the apocalypse that all the good band names are like <laughs> taken. Pretty right? much,
2: but you know, you can't take your last name. So I think that's why me myself and others are
0: are going that way. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We uh we had a similar situation this week in fact. Uh come to find out that there is a uh a couple podcasters in Britain who decided to call their podcast records revisited and they're using revisited is re dash visited. And, um, luckily Wayne, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't tell you the, the end story of this. So I shot them an email and said, Hey, um, I know you guys are really new to this, but, uh, y- you guys are using my, my podcast name. And, uh, so they're, they're luckily they are changing the name of their podcast we might have them on down the road as kind of a uh, a favor to 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 me uh or or to them for for changing the name so totally get it totally get it
1: yeah yeah victory
0: yeah yeah <laughs> definitely is a victory so so let's talk the name of your record prismism uh, so what does that mean? Because I, I tried to look it up and I don't know if it's even a word or maybe the online dictionary that I was using uh didn't didn't recognize it as a word. Uh, it's yeah, I don't know if
2: it's a, technically a word either. I just was I stumbled onto it on the Internet and, um, you know, it's what it's like prism, but more than that. I don't know. So it's like several ways of looking at something, I guess, is the short version. But uh, I, I wrote that down as a possible band name at one point, also just a, on a long list, and that one was also taken because, like I said, everything's taken. So <laughs> it, it worked as a nice song title, and then that song kind of, I thought, uh, I don't know, represented the
0: album in a way, so I just ended up being the album title. I I dig it. So And usually I'm not a big fan of, of songs that... You know really go with the, the whole auto tuning type of type of stuff but it it really works it's it's a cool atmospheric piece I, I really dig it don't
3: know what to say It's hard and you think you tried and get away just look before you leave All I do is hide my name try your best to shake me always think i'm tired this constant give and take i'm hanging from a wire
2: yeah i think for me the autotune thing was mo- i had the most fun doing it i know a lot of other people are doing it yeah but it's really fun to escape from your own vo- voice i guess um so i i i want to do a lot more i i've got to limit myself to just one or two here and there yeah yeah on, on tune because i don't want it to get ridiculous but you don't want to go all kanye on us, right Sound like t-pain no no i don't want to do that but but it's just a lot of fun as the singer it's probably more fun for me than anyone else.
0: Yeah. So I guess the 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 question that I had, as far as the, you know, since we're talking about the 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 singer aspect, so I never heard much harmonies on any Killer records, and 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 so when I when I stumbled on to your to your record, I was like, holy crap, he can actually sing! Like the <laughs> guitarist can actually sing. So where were you hiding on all those records? I mean, because you you can actually sing. Oh, well,
2: thanks. It's um, I struggled for years with the confidence to do it. Um, I, I never did this to be like, finally, I get to sing. It was more like I have so many songs that I just want to finish, and um, I can't wait on some other singer out there to do it. I'm going to have to do it myself because I'm at home, and the microphone and computer is right here. So I just uh, gave it a, a shot. And it's it's grown on me. I, I like it a lot more now than I did in the beginning. Um, but yeah, my past, you know, I, I sang a little bit live with the Killers, and I think the most backing vocals are on Sam's Town. Okay. Um, as far as like other band members, like there's there's a few harmonies on Hot Fuss, and, and Brandon just did them himself. Samstown, there's quite a bit of of every, all four. Killers singing backups on that, Um, and you can spot me here and there on that. And then day and age, there I sang maybe once or twice uh, backups and
0: Battleborn a few times, but yeah, I was sparingly. So I guess that would make sense with Samstown because it wasn't weren't you guys trying to make. Like another Born to Run, if I remember some of the, the the press that 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 I that I read from back in the day, and, and Bruce always has like you know the full band and he's got other people you know providing some harmonies etc.
2: Yeah, yeah, that that sounds about right. That's probably what Brandon um, wanted to do. I see the the uh, I see the Bruce influence more now than I did at the time. Like now that I've stepped away from Sam's Town. I do see the Springsteen similarities that some of them are glaringly obvious, but when I was making it, it just I didn't think Springsteen. I, I have a feeling Brandon did, but it wasn't my uh, inspiration.
0: Was was Sam's Town? Was that your guys's way of kind of n- maybe not totally escaping the Hot Fuss sound, but but showing showing the public that th- there's maybe a different side of the killers that y'all aren't completely aware of. I think it was
2: a little bit the second, yeah, just uh, sh- showing people another side of us. I know, I, I don't know what the real reason of, of going a completely di- different direction, if it was influenced by people saying we sounded so English. Mm-hmm. And I think in some, which was used almost always a compliment, um, you know, because everyone loved Hot Fuss, but I think in some weird way, maybe some of the people in the band wanted to show our American side. Um, I didn't necessarily think we needed to change, um, but, but I did like everything on Samstown because I like a lot of different kinds of music. So it wasn't like I didn't like the, the music we were making. I loved it. I, uh, but I also liked the new wave stuff and um you know i just went along with what everyone wanted to do Uh, i guess i would have wished we had a little bit more of a gentler approach maybe like one more album in between hot fuss and sam's town or
0: something but but it were it you know it's a good album it is a great album it is a great album. It's, I mean, it's. It, oh, yeah. it is definitely. I wouldn't say it's. It's a departure from Hot Fuss, but it's definitely a different side for you all. And there, there are definitely some songs um, on Samstown that you know continue to be, you know, fan favorites. I mean, Read My Mind, It's huge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff
2: they still play. A lot of those first two records live. Those are definitely the the two albums that as a band, I think we worked like it felt like the band made those two albums the most yeah um, we definitely all four had a lot of input and songwriting credits on those first
0: two records so going back to the original influences for for the band to, so i I don't always trust what I read on the interwebs so I'm gonna so I'm gonna ask this question mm-hmm. so. When I when we hear of the stories of the classified ad that you put in, you know the Vegas periodical looking for a singer of the band, uh-huh. the influences that you put in that classified ad were like what Depeche Mode? I don't think that was in the first one. It was kind of a that wasn't in the first one. Okay, no, I
2: I think it was like I think Smashing Pumpkins was one of them, and okay, I think Oasis is one of them, and I think I even put in Beck. And maybe Radiohead and maybe like Sunny Day Real Estate or something. Because I was listening to that stuff at the time. I think I just put in Beck. I'm not a huge Beck fan, but I like his diversity. Yeah. And I wanted someone who would be into that same kind of thing, who'd be kind of open for a lot of different stuff. And what mostly caught Brandon's eye was Oasis because he liked Oasis. And um, we connected
0: on that. And... Yeah, that's why he called. Gotcha. So, so were you the guy who wrote the classified ad? I wrote the
2: classified ad. I, I, okay. I guess, you know, I, I, t- I try not to be a guy who like runs around and s- takes credit that it's all because of me. Blah blah <laughs> blah. I, I, I think just by cause and effect, <laughs> I helped start the band because I moved from Iowa. And I didn't know anybody. And the other guys already lived there. And they kind of like were, I know Ronnie was playing with his friends and Mark's playing with his friends. And Brandon actually had played with a couple people, but was in between things when he called my ad and I didn't know anybody. So that was the only way I could, I could meet people. And I don't know how it would have, maybe it would have formed totally differently if I never moved there. I don't, or never
0: at all. I don't know. Yeah. So so Iowa, so how do you get to Vegas from Iowa? What what was the what was the what was the, uh, what was the line of of uh, travel? I
2: I got an apartment online, um, and I saved some money, and I just got everything in a U-Haul and drove out. <laughs> and I didn't know anybody. I just wanted to. I've always been adventurous like that and willing to take risks. I was like, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'll just move back to Iowa if it doesn't work out. And, um, I remember like I had cold feet. I was in Iowa. I had cold feet. I was like, I don't know about this. I've saved some money. And then just like I opened the mail and a discover card came (laughs) and it was like, it was like $3,000 credit. And I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Did I like sign up for one of these? So I put, you know, like all my moving expenses on the Discover card and like my first month's rent when I got there. And it like <laughs> it really helped. So I ran up that Discover card quick, but you know, was able to uh keep everything I'd saved. And I think maybe it influenced my decision to move out there. I don't know. I uh it took a while for me to pay that card off. I I uh I mean I was like <laughs> I was I would pay the minimum for a while, and then at one point I just was throwing the bills in the trash and accepting like a a life of lawlessness, you know. And uh, <laughs> and then finally, when the killers got a little bit, I called them up and was able to pay off, pay it off.
0: <laughs> and and did you say? Oh, by the way, um, you might have heard my song "Mr. Brightside" on the radio. I'm ready to pay off my bill.
2: <laughs> Heck no! I was like. <laughs> Hey, I'm still poor, but if you can, you know, let's, I'll pay off
0: 50% and let's just call it. Right, <laughs> right. There you go. So they went for that. So during, so when did you move out to Vegas? Late nineties? I moved out to Vegas in like, yeah, like early 2000. Okay. So during that time, I felt like more people were moving to like New York or LA as opposed to a Vegas. What, what drew you to Vegas as opposed to one of those hotbeds of of uh, music going on. Because it's way cheaper than both of those right.
3: places. <laughs>
2: um, that was that was it. I wanted to move to LA. It was just a little more intimidating. And I thought, well, I'll start in Vegas because I, 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 I did not want to give up. I did not want to accept the fact that I was defeated and I was just going to stay in Iowa. I was like, well, I'll move to Vegas. It's cheaper and it's like almost there. Maybe I'll I'll go over there in a a year later or or something and visit it. But I never did. Um, And, you know, I met Brandon and some other people and turned out to be a good thing I moved there. So, you know, I don't know. It can work out in in other little cities like that, too. I I actually think L.A. and Vegas, they're so hard to
0: get by. You know, when
2: are you going to work on music if you're living off ramen noodles. Like I
0: was, you know, right now I'm actually reading the book called meet me in the bathroom. Uh-huh. You, know, you know, anything about that? A little bit. It's like yeah. that New
2: York scene from, yeah. It's uh, talking, time.
0: yeah. It's talking about the New York scene in late nineties, early two thousands. So, you know, lots of conversations on the strokes and Interpol and yeah, yeah, yes. And Fisher spooner. And, and I, you know, I, I've i heard, I hear a little Interpol within some of your, some of your record. Hmm. So I hear a little bit of that New York sound and maybe it's just because I'm reading the book at the same time as I'm listening to your, to your record. But like, who are some of those influences that you've adopted? Um, you know, I think you mentioned a few of them previously, but who, wh- who, who are some of those bands that you were listening to as you were, you know, putting, putting some of these songs together well the strokes and interpol
2: were strong influences on the killers at the in the early days as well and and i think still to this day for me so i'm not surprised if you picked up on a little bit on my record because you know they both of those bands have some great bass and guitar riffs and that's the kind of stuff i'm into
0: and that was, that was the one thing that I, I felt like there was a little Interpol because they are, they want to get you on the hook. Mm-hmm. And I, and I felt like a lot of, a lot of your songs on your record do have that hook to them, which, which is probably what brought me in. Cause I'm, I'm totally right there with those kind of, kind of songs. So, and I'm a big Interpol fan. So yeah. love it. Yeah. So let's let's chat about a couple of the songs on your record. So oh, Queen's Queen's Finest.
2: Yes. The size you are.
0: The hunt
2: is on the day So they told you to try to understand.
0: We're really sorry, boy, you need to change a plan. Definitely got got that catchy hook as I talked about, the gut, guitar riff, very hypnotic. Since you're a guitarist, where 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 are you where are you finding the 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 synth lines for, for a song like Queen's Queen's Finest? Um. Just by playing around. I um, just,
2: I, I've had a chance. I didn't have much chance to play synths or keyboards with the killers, you know, because Brandon already does it, or there's a producer that wants to try his part. And it was always yeah. kind of like, I don't know. It, it wasn't that I wasn't allowed to, but it was almost like, I should just stick the guitar sort of kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm, those guys might disagree. They're not here. But um, but I definitely felt com- complete freedom at home to play as many synths as I want. And, you know, I I had have phases throughout my life where I would practice piano and keyboard in college. I took lessons for a couple of years. And so I finally got to get that out of me, which I know I want, um, I think, people were surprised by that and expected it to be all guitar. And I still plan to make a lot more guitar records, but I, the keyboard stuff was, was, was just dying to get out of me. So, you know, I had the chance to do that.
0: And I, and I felt like you kind of announced that as, as your, you know, with your, with your first song boat accident, it kind of starts out with that, that synth sound, kind of kind of reminded me a little bit of 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 read my mind with uh, a little bit of that synth but then you're immediately going and switching up the sound and was that was that kind of your way of announcing to everyone that hey this record might have some killer sounds but this is definitely a dave kooning record
2: it up nicely I, I think that's what i was trying to do i i didn't want to limit myself um and that that's because you know before i made the record i had thought like oh i've got some keyboard driven songs i've got some guitar driven songs i've got some acoustic songs should these be separate projects i was like no it was like the smashing pumpkins wouldn't do that their records have all those things in, in one and that was my
0: approach with this record I just kind of put it all in. There you go. Um, and you just finished uh, a tour behind the the record. Any more touring happening, or is that kind of kind of it for the promotion? No, I've got
2: a a festival in Iowa coming up August second called Hinterland. Then I've got a festival in San Diego um, called Caboo in September, and then I'm going to go to Mexico in November for a festival in Mexico City. So all those are places like I handpicked wanted to play for sure. And then there'll be, there'll be a lot of local shows and probably I'll probably do some touring next year again.
0: And what is that? What does the touring look like? Is it just you with some pre recorded stuff or do you got a you got a band t- together with you?
2: It would be cheaper if it was just me and a, me and a computer, but um, <laughs> no, I, I, I have four <laughs> other guys with me, um, you know, to play keys and bass and guitar and drums and, um they're great guys and they're fun to bring out and uh
0: i don't know it's the way i see it being like a real band how difficult was it to try and get your name out there considering that y- you know you don't want to you don't want to be on the bill where you just go cooning formerly of the killers <laughs> i you know i mean it's so so how do you get your name out there where it's like hey i you know i'm i make music on my own terms now and and, and here i am and and you should come see me because you're gonna have a good experience um you know I, I'm, I'm just curious on on how the promotion stuff has has been going
2: forward. uh well yeah the promotion helps otherwise people have no idea what's going on um, you got to get out there and, and tell people that you're doing this at all that you have a solo project or most people you know don't know and then that cooning is dave cooning of the killers and yeah it's not None of the signs say of the killers. It's, it's a tough thing. I talked to Mark of the killers about it too, cause he's done three solo records and whether or not to do that. Cause he doesn't want to do that either. But it's like, if you don't say it, then a lot of people don't know. So you can, you can yeah. do the right thing and not say of the killers, but then no one will know you were of the killers. And let's face it. There'll be some people who will go anyway, but then there'll be a whole other group of people who be like, oh, he's up the killers. Maybe I'll go down
0: there. So it's, it's yeah. You want to honor the history and the heritage, but not be stuck in exactly. it. Exactly. It's, it's hard to know yeah. what the right thing to do is. Well... Hopefully, hopefully we can get out your, your 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 name a little bit as well. So um, definitely go go check it out. Uh, you you definitely have the endorsement of of, of the Records Revisit podcast forever for whatever that is worth. Um, that's going to sell at least what maybe three extra records, uh, Wayne. Maybe maybe two or three.
1: <laughs> uh, I I'm being quiet because I I feel like I blew my chance. You came to Seattle in February and. I was a I had a lot going on and you played at the Columbia City Theater, which I've never been mm-hmm. to, and I was like, I've been kicking myself this whole conversation. Well <laughs> so I didn't even go. Now I feel like I That's I, okay. I, I wanna
2: if any of those people are listening, I wanna <laughs> thank the people who did show up because that show was almost canceled because of the snowstorm you guys got. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of people thought it was canceled and and then we almost canceled and we're like, oh, we'll just do it. We'll just do it to like the 12 people that are here waiting. And then some other people came down and it was probably 40 or 50. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to do a couple shots and we're going to just make the best of this. And the crowd was actually great. And they they all. I talked to most everybody afterwards and they, you know, it, was a, it was a good time. I was
1: just, now I really hate myself. You blew it, man. <laughs> it's okay.
0: That's okay.
1: <laughs> I won't let it happen again. See,
0: the good news for me is I live in Florida and a lot of the bands that I like or, uh, or guests that we've talked to, they, haven't, they, don't, they don't come down here to Florida to tour. So I can always use that as an excuse. Where it's like, well, you didn't come dave it, florida wasn't on your tour <laughs> stops, so it's a long ways it is a long yeah. way yeah and it's and it's logistically it is not an easy place to come in because you got to drive into florida and then you got to drive back out to yeah. out of florida so i get it i get screwed all the time with the uh, bands not coming I always get no, excited. No. I always get excited for bands that are like, we're going on tour across North America and we're coming nowhere near you. We're coming to Atlanta.
2: <laughs> yeah, because Atlanta is like the last corner you can go before you go down in there. And you don't want to do that if you're, you're going to be stuck down there and have to come back out. Correct. So,
0: all that gas is expensive. It is. It is. I'm I yeah, I'm not disputing that. I will say that I have gone to Atlanta way more than I have ever wanted to because of going and seeing bands that I that I like. So, that 6-hour drive is brutal though. I will I will definitely mm-hmm. say that from where I'm at. All right. Well, let's uh let's switch gears. Let's talk smashing pumpkins, but before we do, so I throw out one last question to all of our guests, and this is because of Wayne's disdain of this particular song. <laughs> okay. So, so Dave, we want your opinion. Toto's Africa sure. is does this a, is this a song that makes you smile, or is this a song that makes you irritated? Oh boy, I kind of both.
2: I I, I understand it's. It's kind of irritating, but I understand why it's good. I sometimes I grudgingly sing along to the chorus, you know.
0: Wayne, <laughs> if it's on so the radio, me, yeah. So Wayne, let me ask you: Do you ever sing any of the lyrics to Africa?
1: If it well, comes not on- anymore, because you kind of made it my calling card, so I really can't. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure I have been guilty of that early on. Like I say, in 1983, yeah, uh, probably. But put some some experience on me and and actually having listened to some good music i I don't sing it anymore
0: all right well are we are we are we splitting dave's vote down the down the down the middle
1: <laughs>
2: i guess I, I maybe more no I know at the time it was it came out. I didn't like it um I think i since weezer's covered it, I think I like it a little more now just because. If anyone came out with a song like that now, I'd be proud of them. I'd be like, "Wow, you got a big chorus," you know, <laughs> like good for you. But
0: no one's writing music like that, so they really aren't. Nope. All right. Well, I'm Wayne. I think I'll give it to you.
1: He said more no, so yeah, I think you have. Yeah, a little, little more no than yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm still leading.
1: <laughs> well, okay. I told you one bite at a time. So I'm going to eat yep. this elephant. Okay.
0: Yep. All right. So, so Dave, tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode.
2: I chose the Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream. Um, You know, I thought about a few others, but really this is, I probably know this record better than any. Um, And I also know how to play most of these songs on guitar. I spent many, many hours just in my bedroom in high school, listening and, and learning the parts. And this is a big part of me. So what were some of the other records that you thought about? I mean, I don't know what's been done either off your list, but I mean, I considered like Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction or something.
0: We did um, that. Class, we, yeah.
2: Yeah. I figured you probably
0: did that one. Someone did it. That was actually one of our first episodes while we were still trying to figure out how to be podcasters.
1: That, yeah, That's my, my favorite <laughs> record of all time.
0: Yeah, it's hard to argue with that one. Yep all right so let's get some bio info on Siamese dream so this is the second studio album by the smashing pumpkins it was released in july of 1993 hit all the way to the billboard on the billboard 200 uh peaked out at number 10 and looking at the rolling stone magazine's top 500 albums of all time so we've uh Wayne and I have looked at this, uh, this list, a couple different episodes. Rolling Stone Magazine called it their 362nd top record. And so for our, our next album that we're talking about for next week's episode, we're going to talk about the 375th top album. And we already did another record earlier this year by The Police that was in the 300s as well. So apparently we have a sweet spot, Wayne, of <laughs> three hundred and fifty <laughs> to three hundred and seventy-five. Oh, yes. So, uh, the album did sell over four million copies in the U.S. It has sold over six million worldwide, and uh, this was uh, this was an interesting album. Uh, all the things that I that I've read about the production. Uh, lots of turmoil within the band. Uh, Jimmy Chamberlain, who is the drummer uh, addiction to heroin at the time. one of the reasons why they uh, ended up recording most of it in Georgia, in fact, was hoping to get Jimmy away from the crank. Um, James Ehaw and Darcy, the bassist, uh, had recently ended a romantic relationship. and Corgan, I guess was also going through some depression. And, um, you guys know who the producer of this record is? Butch Vig. Butch Vig. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So definitely did not, uh, did not waste any time from that first album getting a very well known and recognized name to, to be their producer. Um, I w- I'm hoping somewhere down the line that, somebody does a documentary about this because all the stuff that I read about all the band turmoil and um, Billy Corgan kind of, uh, you know, going through all of his own problems and there's, there's some, some deeply autobiographical songs that are on this record. I hope somebody will end up doing a documentary. Hopefully maybe Netflix will do a documentary about the making of this record. I think it will be, would be extremely fascinating.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: This would earn the Smashing Pumpkins, their first Grammy Award nominations. Uh, They didn't win any, but the album was nominated for Best Alternative Music Performance and also for Best Hard Rock Performance with Vocal. Uh, Didn't win for either one of those. And then uh, Rolling Stone ranked Siamese Dream as the 12th greatest grunge grunge album of all time. Do Do we consider this a grunge record? Is it is Smashing Pumpkins grunge? I know that I've have I've heard lots of lots of
1: debates. But oh, kind of grunge is so I don't even know how you would create a list. I mean that's a relative term. I don't. I, it's I don't know. It's a difficult one to categorize. But as far as this definitely has elements of the stuff that came out of Seattle, and I think that it's due to. Um, you know, Billy Corgan said when once he heard Black Sabbath, it changed his life. And I think Black Sabbath is one of those bands that threads through all those Seattle bands too. all Soundgarden, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all, all those Alice in Chains. They'll all tell you, you know, oh, that Black Sabbath was a big influence on them. So I, I'm not surprised that it has elements, but grunge isn't a term you can define. I don't even know how you make a list. Now I understand
0: why you're wearing the uh, shirt that you're wearing. Took you long enough. Huh. Absolutely, did. <laughs> took me. It took me a while. All right. So, as a reminder, our scoring is based on the number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on the record? Thirteen. Which means our top song is going to get thirteen points. Next favorite, twelve points. On down to our lowest score of one. Here's first song. Here is Sharoot. Did I say it right? No. I've heard I've heard it. I've heard it said <laughs> both ways. You've heard it both ways. I've heard it both huh. ways. So and yeah, what is it? What is it, Wayne? Cherub. Cherub. All right. So this is this would end up being the first single from the record.
1: This is a this is a nice way to start uh an album. This is their major label debut. This is what's gonna introduce them to the rest of the world. And I think it has all of the elements that make them a really that made them a really great band at that time um billy corrigan's got this incredibly distinct voice like i've never had a smashing pumpkin song come on radio or streaming and thought to myself who who is this i know who this is just give me a second like you know instantly that this is either the smashing pumpkins billy corrigan so on but you know it's you know who's singing it right away and all the distortion in the guitars um And my one criticism, I have a somewhat of a love-hate relationship with Billy Corgan because I think when I've read all the stuff where he plays all the parts, you know, I mean, Darcy Retsky plays very, there's very little of her base on this. There's very little of anybody else but him and then Jimmy Chamberlain. And that kind of megalomaniacal approach to things... uh, is a bit off-putting, but you really can't argue with the results. But I also love a scathing indictment, and this is a scathing indictment of the at least major label music industry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you What do you
2: got on this, Dave? Well, I I, I scored it a little differently, but I scored it eleven. I I, I think I did it backwards, but I'm going to do the math for you. So you you have my numbers in front of you.
0: I do. I do. Yeah.
2: So that's probably confusing. So so a thirteen is the one you like the best. Yes. yes. Okay, then this I have this as eleven.
0: I even told Wayne at the at the before you jumped on. I said so. Dave was listening to a different record than you and I were.
2: Yeah, sorry hey. about that. That makes no <laughs> total sense now. Okay, it's not the golf score; it's the highest score. That, okay, that's
0: right. That's right. All right. So, <laughs> well, uh, while you guys are talking, I'll I'll do I'll do some changes on this. So, okay. all right. So we've got we've got eleven for for Dave here. Eleven. Here all right,
1: and I think that he this shows also that, uh, this has one of the best guitar solos of that of that era too, and I it, he was an under he still currently is an underappreciated guitar player.
2: I agree. That's what,
1: especially yeah. considering I mean if all of this is virtually all of this on the record is him, and I think he, I don't think he ever really got his due. Yeah, and and Corgan insisted that this was going to be the
0: first single off the record. The the record label wanted today to be the, the opening single, which, if you look at chart position, they were right. Today really is what I think uh, kicked this particular record into more of the zeitgeist as opposed to uh, this this particular song. We'll we'll talk we'll talk about today in a moment. And this was a moderate success for the for the band. They did perform this on SNL. I, I feel like I feel like we can't properly talk about this record without also talking about Pisces Xcariot, which was the record released after Siamese Dream. And it's essentially made up of demos or B sides that were released from Siamese or around that time frame. So for instance, the song Pissant. Was the B side to this song, and I and I love Piss Ant. That's a great, great song. And I think if this was if that was on Siamese Dream, there's a good chance it would have received like a seven or eight score from me. And that was, like I said, that was that was what they they felt was a B side material. That's that I think is is very um, demonstrative of of how good the songs were for this record.
1: Pissant would have been my favorite song. Hmm. It's a great song. It would have been my favorite song if, if it had been on this record.
0: Yeah. All right. So Dave, you gave us a score of eleven. Wayne,
1: thirteen. Mm. All right.
0: And I'm, I'm, and I'm totally going to just get vilified for this. So this is my three. Oh, Wow, dude. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think I, you got the
1: scoring upside down.
0: No, I. <sighs> maybe maybe I do. Maybe I do. Look, it's a good song. It's just it's not one of those songs that I'm going to seek out from their catalog and there's so many other good songs on this record that I would prefer to listen to over this Apparently month, all so. of them. <laughs> Apparently or most <laughs> yeah. of them. Nearly all of them. Most yeah. most of them anyways. Most of them anyways. All right, let's move on. Here is uh here's Quiet. Inside.
1: This was my least favorite song. I and I think it comes from a lot of it is it doesn't it doesn't feel like it fits. Like it it's lyric musically and lyrically it comes it has a very like sound garden uh, feel to it. And I don't they just that heaviness that's in it, which I like I say, he, he's explained that he's a big, you know, Black Sabbath fan. So it makes sense in a lot of ways, but I just felt like it was almost too heavy to because there's a lot of variation on this album, but it's all all a little bit closer together, and this one kind of fell outside of that.
0: Okay, all right. Um, I I hate my score for this one because I gave it a I gave it a two. I listened to it again today, and I and I shouldn't because I try not to listen to the the album that we're going to talk about that day because then I always just get pissed off at myself for my score because <laughs> um, I was listening to it today and I'm like, Oh, this is really my two. No, this isn't my two. So I really do hate my score for this because by itself um, it's not a bad song, but I, I, I'm always looking at things from a sequencing standpoint as well and going from the first song to this. Um, I don't know the, the sequencing seemed off putting to me. But listening to Quiet by Itself, I'm I'm really wanting to kick my own ass.
1: <laughs> and I agree. Like I say, my my thing is like I say, it's a lot along those same lines. It doesn't it just doesn't sound enough like a smashing pumpkin song. I, I wouldn't I by no means mean that it's not a good song. I don't the songs that got my lowest ratings, it's it's not that I dislike them. It's just a couple of them it's he I got some issues artistically with Billy Corgan that I know it's none of my business, but I'm gonna bring up. <laughs>
2: all right dave i i like for all the reasons wayne said is the reasons why i like it i uh i love how heavy it comes in it's like chair brock you're already blown away and then it it gives up a notch in heaviness which i think is awesome um and uh it's always been one of my favorites fun to play on guitar it's got a little bit of Odd timing in there, which is cool to figure out. Um, I love the guitar solo on that one. That's probably one of the best guitar solos on that record too. There's a lot of them, though. So I had it as a ten. Um, it's you know, it's one of my favorites.
0: All right, so let's move on to the the second single. So this is today. get us started on today what's what's so what's so good about this song
2: well like you were saying i can see why the label their label wanted it it's got a great chorus um and it's you know it's got a great intro to with the whole quiet and loud thing and it's one of the more irresistible ones i i wasn't sure how where to put it just because i love it but i've heard it a thousand times so i wasn't you know i don't know i wasn't sure where to put it but i still had it pretty high just because it's you can't argue that it's a bad song it's a great song so no, i think i had it as a nine
0: yep and i'm i'm matching your nine on, on that as well i i i really dig this song yeah i know that you know corrigan opted for um you know chair brock to to be the lead single but i think that the label did really have it right and and we've we've talked at length on many episodes about how the record labels have it wrong a lot of the time, but I think that they were definitely right in wanting to have this as the opening track.
2: Uh, I envy that time period. If I could just interject real quick, because they got more than one single. A lot a lot of bands these days right. you only get one, you only get one single, so you better get it right the first time. But I actually I actually agree with Billy that putting out Cherub Rock was the, the smart thing to do. And then you put out today second, but you just can't do that anymore. They wouldn't, they might not be able to put out today if it was, you know, the way
0: things are now, Yeah, they would only get one. So, so how did, how did the killers decide what would end up being the singles? Was that label involvement or, or did you guys as a band have any say in the matter? Uh, we definitely
2: had say, and I think we had, we talked with the label and fortunately we kind of all agreed. Um, the first record, it was all like, was it going to be Mr. Brightside or somebody told me first? And then we kind of released Brightside first in England and then somebody, and then we just released them both two or three times to get them out there and all over the world. So we didn't need to argue that much. It got trickier on later records, but usually we were pretty unanimous i know the sam's town was a little harder the band all wanted when you were young and some other people want wanted something else and the band was right on that one yeah so so
0: going back to that first killers record then so how is jenny not released as a single that's because that that because that ended up being our our top song on our analysis that that Uh, was our I don't know if it was overwhelmingly
1: unanimous Wayne do you do you recall it well uh, but the average I mean yeah. it was all three of us had it very high I don't know that he, any of us had it as the, our top song cuz mine was smile like you mean it uh but it was right up there in everybody's you know top 2 yeah. or 3
0: so so how did that not get released as a single Good question
2: it was definitely a lot of the band's favorite, like everyone in the band. We all love that song. That's why it was first off the record. Um, but yeah, you had four other strong singles on the record, and I think we just didn't get five deep. Um, it, it was going to be the next one if there was a fifth single. Um, but I think all these things, was that our third or fourth single? I can't remember, but it might, it I think might it was be. it third. And then we did Smile Like You Mean It fourth, which which is a great song, but um, didn't get played as much on the radio because they were just playing those other songs so much. So that's yeah. probably what, you know, Jenny was a friend of mine, just never got put out as a single. People rarely go five singles deep anymore.
0: Yeah, no, they don't. What, <sighs> so what do you think was our, our lowest song on, on Hot uh, You want me to guess? <laughs> yeah, get, get, take um... a guess based off of what we've already been talking about with uh, Siamese Dream. Is it Andy or a star, maybe? Or not. I think we kind of like, like that
2: one. one. I'm just trying to guess.
0: Yeah.
2: Now, now people are going to think I don't like Andy or a star. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> of, cor- of course, I like Andy or a star. It starts with my guitar <laughs> part, but uh, right, exactly. I'm just trying to guess. Um, maybe Natalie or one of the later ones? I don't know. Yeah, everything will be all right was our everything least favorite Everything will be all right. Yeah. I like that one.
0: That's one of my favorites, actually, but I like them all. But I do like that one. Well, you so my brother is going to be happy to hear that because he'd like he he, he likes that song. Wayne and I were the ones who tanked that one on our score. So I really like um, that one. Yeah, I'll pass that on to Dave. He's you, you're now his favorite killers member. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right so so just last last couple things on today so um this was a staple on mtv you guys remember the video of of uh billy oh, yeah. corgan dressed as an ice cream truck vendor
1: yeah that video was weird
0: it was uh so i did read something about uh, about that video he said that the plot was inspired of a memory that he had of being an ice cream truck driver who upon quitting his job gain gave out his remaining stock of ice cream to the neighborhood children so yeah whatever um <laughs> all right the uh, the b-side the b-side's also on pisces uh that is hello kitty cat that one's not especially great so good call leaving that off the record but today great song uh did we get everybody's score
1: no i didn't get a chance to say uh I, I completely agree with, with Dave's sentiments. It got played too much. It is a good song. It's a it was it's a for that era just a a classic song that you heard everywhere, and that's what I think kind of drove it down for me was that that remembering how much I heard yeah. it. Yep. All right.
0: So um, I don't think I gave my score. So I gave it a nine. So I think we're all in agreement that that's uh, this is one of the the. The top scores maybe we're all a little sick of it at this point yeah yeah, yeah. all right that leads us up to the next song which is hummer What is Billy referring to as the Hummer for this song? Because the inner Beavis in me wants to go all high school and think about, you know, he's talking about, you know. Yeah.
1: And I don't, but he make he leaves it as a noun because he says uh, at the end, life's a bummer when you're a Hummer. I don't, I don't. Is he talking about the giant gas guzzling uh, SUV (laughs) that Chrysler put out? I don't Were Hummers even a thing back in 93 though? Ah, it's pretty close. I think. I think they were still. Uh, they may have. May have only been military yeah. at that point. Okay. What do we want to say about Hummer? Well, the first thirty seconds made me think that there was something corrupt with my MP3. I don't know that that was necessary. Um. Hmm. I I think yeah. this
0: just has a lot of the elements of what I I call a Smashing Pumpkins um, milk type song. So it's got the slow opening. The volume gets cranking, solid chorus slows down in the middle, gets loud again, and I'm cool with all those elements. But then it ends up with my my one criticism of Smashing Pumpkins is just a lot of their songs are just too dang long. Like this is almost seven minutes <laughs> long. And Wayne, you you remember what we used to call the Smashing Pumpkins, right? What was our What was our nickname for the Smashing Pumpkins back in the day? We called it "smashing milk" because they they milked the dickens out of all this all their songs.
1: Oh, I completely forgot about that. But yeah, that this that's an issue that comes up several times. But um, yeah, they this one is just has very it's very standard. Smashing Pumpkins, which which is not a bad thing. Distorted guitars, gloomy lyrics. Um, he kind of talks real, you know. Breathy and slow. And then he, you know, then he never screams, but he does start, you know, almost yelling. Um, all classic stuff. It's all good, but at the same time, there's nothing remarkable about it. Right. From, and even at aspect. six minutes and
0: 57 seconds, guess what? Not the longest song on the record. Oh.
1: No. And remember, we discussed Drown, which, even that yeah, like eight and a half, eight and a yeah. half, and the last four minutes are just right. noise. Right. He does have a problem ending things. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if that's crossed over into his personal life, but he has a problem finishing, coming to a conclusion. Dave, what do you what do you got on
0: this song?
2: I think I had it as a five, but but I really like I like the song, I think, a little more than you guys, even though I had I had to rate it a little lower just because there's so much to pick from. But you know, there's a lot of dynamics in that song. Like you said, the intro that's that you said sounded like you're thing was broken or whatever and then and then ending i i think i just remember jamming to this and learning the guitar parts and maybe for me that was fun to play it for like six minutes so i had a good time with that song
1: i gave it a four like i say it's not that i don't like it i just um somebody had to get a four and i gave it a five
0: all right let's move on here's rocket This was actually a single did you guys know that this was their fourth and final single from the record i did not I think there's that. a
2: video too isn't there uh
0: i you know i did not i think, I think there I is I did not look i i think there is so b-side for this was a cover version of depeche modes never let me down
3: oh.
0: that is not on pisces though so don't don't go looking at pisces for that Um, So this was one of the few singles that did not appear on the Smashing Pumpkins' Greatest Hits album, Rotten Apples, which I thought was kind of interesting because I don't understand that because this song rocks. Anybody want to dissect some lyrics with me?
1: Oh, I don't know. I think you might be talking about suicide. Uh, I
0: think so, too. Um, But I also get the vibe that it's him apologizing to somebody, but maybe that apology is kind of like half hearted. And then he goes into the realization that you know what I don't need this crap. I shall be free. Um, I don't know what. What do you guys? What do you guys think of uh, the lyrics and what this is supposed to be about?
1: I wrote some of them down. That like the moon is out, the stars invite. I think I'll leave tonight. Obviously, for free from the voices inside of me. Um, I did see that. You know, I know what you're talking about with the where he's he says something what is it? There's a beginning, I think, as I torch my soul to show that I am pure and deep inside my heart. It's like, he's very, he, he, he listened to way too much Robert Smith as a, as a kid, as a, as a young man. And, uh, I will the one, these are strong lyrics. I actually really love this song. I think they actually kind of simplify musically. It it doesn't feel so layered and the distortions kind of to some degree turned down a little bit. Um, because the lyrics, as dark as they are, um, I think they're still incredibly strong as far as uh, the way they sound. I mean, as far as what he's, you know, maybe what he's saying is a little bit dark, but the way he's saying it is uh, very poetic. Yeah, Dave. Anything else on on
0: uh, on Rocket?
2: No, I I, I love the song. Um, I actually I haven't analyzed the lyrics like you have um i probably should as much as i love this record because i I, there's a lot of uh, most of the lyrics i kind of I, i don't understand a lot of the smashing pumpkins lyrics but i i know bits and pieces like the ones you just quoted and i always took those as positive and that's what i took away from that song i didn't i never thought about all the other stuff you
0: talked about until now but well, you know, I, I have this this really bad habit of overanalyzing <laughs> lyrics. So Yeah.
1: And now I try to keep up with them so it's happened to me. <laughs> Drug into it. I
0: and I think I really dig this song just because it feels like you're getting out of a really long, bad relationship and that's like deteriorated over the last several years to to billy corgan's point where i i shall be free and that uh dysfunctional relationship is over so let's get some scores so like i said this is my top score so i'm giving that a 13 wayne
1: i gave it an 11 i i I, something just draws me to this song okay
0: and then dave i gave it a six but it was uh,
2: i think it's six and uh i felt bad having it that low but there's just a lot of stuff i like so don't feel bad yeah don't yeah feel bad. that's
1: that's a phrase that i i utter a lot on this podcast yeah
0: <laughs> all right that moves on to third single from the record this is Disarm. spend an entire episode on this particular song couldn't we probably yeah yeah i think so was a top 20 hit in uh just about everywhere uh missed out on the top 40 here in the u.s though peaking at number 48 but it was definitely a uh, a staple on the alternative charts, Corgan said he wrote this as a response to his parents, and he said, "Rather than having an angry song, I thought I'd write something beautiful and make them realize what tender feelings I have in my heart." End of quote. And even though, despite all those beautiful components, it's still an angry song, right?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. But I love the, you know, the just the strings. Um, and the acoustic guitar, it just has this grand feeling to, I mean, I think there's, I don't know if it's, I don't know how they made the sound, but there's like bells, which it just has this big, beautiful orchestral kind of grandness to it. Um, and yeah, the lyrics, they, they're they <laughs> dark as normal, but uh, it just, and, and uh, no drums, no guitar or no electric guitars and three minutes and 16 seconds. I think, I just I know he can do it. I I don't know why he doesn't do it more often. <laughs>
0: oh. What do you get on this, Dave?
2: I after thinking about it, I had this as my top one. I had a thirteen on this one. I I just it's just a great song. I think he nailed it. And like you said, with all the, the strings and everything, um, if you're gonna do it on a song a bit like that, it should be a, a really good one and and it's a it's a strong song i uh, i always liked this song i like i think i liked it best i saw them in concert last year and they opened with it and uh, just the curtains opened with him on an acoustic and he just started strumming and that was that kind of blows you
0: away when you see it live like that nice all right b-side on this also found on pisces is the song blew away that's actually a James Ehaw song and i love that song based on what we know about billy corgan do you think that he purposely left that song off the record because that was a james song didn't have any any absolutely. fingerprints of of him on the song absolutely
2: i disagree i disagree i i don't i don't think no? it's
0: strong enough to be
2: on the record um i for what it's worth he did at that concert I just mentioned, he did have James uh, sing that. Billy went off stage for a song, and James did blew away and with the band. Yeah. Oh, really? Nice. So he must not hate it too bad, but I don't think it cracks
1: into
0: the top thirteen of those other songs. My 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 next question was: Would that song have gelled on a record like Siamese Dream? Uh,
1: yeah, I didn't even Probably. think Quiet gelled. I don't. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to. Yeah. So I'm sure this one would know.
0: All right. So Dave, you gave me your score, 13. I'm giving it an 11. Wayne? Uh, 12. Okay. Leads us up to Soma. One last kiss.
2: I don't know. I uh I mean it's a great song. So much I it was a little lower on my list and I really hated myself again hated myself for having it so low but it was tricky. I love the dynamics in that one. They're they're not they're they're similar to the songs on the other on the record already where it's quiet loud, but that one was another one that was a lot of fun to learn on guitar. And then when it when yeah. it kicks in loud, you Stop on your distortion pedal and you know
0: get your parents concerned and stuff wayne what you got on soma
1: yeah six and a half minutes i can't think of a reason for that but i i i do like the i mean i have mixed feelings on the dynamics because when it first starts it kind of has a i don't know i i, I feel bad because it seems boring at first and then I started to miss those distorted guitars. I found myself going, "Where's all the distortion at?" It's and then yeah. and then they bring it in and I I don't know if he he went too long with the without it then I then I'm like, "I don't know. That so the whole dynamics to it it, it confused me, I guess, in a way. And then it once again it goes on far longer than it should be. I think I just don't get it for some reason. I know I yeah. should,
0: but I don't. You know, go go back to my comments that I made for for Hummer about just the the variances of of the 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 speed and the sound. I kind of have the same criticisms or praises because I because I I do like those elements, but for six minutes and thirty nine seconds, yeah, I'm I'm probably with with you on that, Wayne. That it's probably just a little little too long for my liking. Um, interesting credits though. Here's what I found, what was looking at credits. Do you know that Mike Mills plays piano on this song?
1: Hmm. I think I read that somewhere when I was this last week. Yeah, yeah,
0: I think I did hear that. It's interesting.
1: All right. So,
0: scores, I'm giving this a six. Wayne? I gave it a three. Okay. And then Dave? Four. All right. Which leads us to Geek USA.
1: At one point, I I thought it might be my favorite song. but as the as the week went on, this was a yeah. you know, it was it was difficult scoring this because I knew basically my top songs. but as you're listening to it, it's one of those records where you're like, hold on, I might I think I might like this song better than that song and then I would go back and listen to that song. And this one kept dropping. I did write Teen angst Chicago style because this one is definitely a little more, um, there were some lines in there that, that kind of gave it a angry at mom and dad kind of a feel to it, but this one starts out with, I mean, so black Sabbath, you know, really sludgy, uh, and kind of just picks up from there. But he, once again, he could have, he could have this end of this around four minutes. I just, he, he's got a trouble letting go. He's got trouble letting go. <laughs>
0: What do you got on this, Dave? I had a three, but it was,
2: again, uh, tough to do that because I really like this song. But I uh, i don't know. Not because it's long. I just think maybe it's, for me, it's where it's on the album or something. I always am so excited to turn on the album. And then by the time I get there, maybe I, I'm a
0: little bit tired of some of it. I don't know. I don't know. That's a bad excuse. You had to deal through uh you know a couple seven minute long songs well, getting up to well, that. Well, that's not a
2: bad point because Soma's was right before it. Right. So maybe
0: that's part of it. But the song by itself is great. So the the lyrics do make a reference to Siamese twins in this song. So I guess that gives the the, the album title a little bit of its uh name. But you guys are aware that the record name I believe does come from a song called Siamese Dream that didn't even make the final cut of the record yeah and uh, we revisited another record uh, earlier in our podcast that took the title from a song that didn't make the record you 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 know which one I'm talking about Wayne August and everything after yeah that's it Canning Canning crows
1: all right let's get some scores did I get Did we get scores on, on geek USA? No. And I've, I want to mention the thing that made it my favorite when I would hear it sometimes is there's this great ascension that goes on as you go. And I guess what would be considered more or less the chorus, the shot full of diamonds in a million years line. And then it has this real cool riff that goes after that into the next part. And I, I gave it a nine. Like I say, this was at one point a 13 and then a 11 I scratched out, I think. And a 10. It came a nine at the end.
0: There we go. And I gave it a seven. So this leads up to um, spoiler alert my brother Dave, his favorite Smashing Pumpkin song. So this is man. your scores earlier dave not knowing that you um didn't have the scores correct the way that we do it i had texted my brother and said i don't know if you can be friends with dave kooning because he didn't like mayonnaise very much so yeah. i'm glad we were able to, to to figure out what the scoring is yeah
2: he and i are like-minded i guess because that was one of my favorites
0: and and despite this not getting any Radio play, or at least I didn't. I don't remember getting any, any, uh, any radio play. This is really a fan favorite for Smashing Pumpkins fans, um, because I looked at a R- Rolling Stone readers poll for best Smashing Pumpkin song, and this this one this was their favorite Smashing Pumpkin song. I, I'm not surprised. It's a good song, Dave. What what do you, what do you got on this?
2: I had a twelve. And it was okay. for a while. It was thirteen. Um, I just thought "Disarm" was probably a better song in the end, so I that's why I put it up as the top one. But it's always been probably my favorite off the album is "Mayonnaise." I like everything about it. You know, I like uh, the guitar the intro is fun to the, the play. That guitar solo, I love the uh, the, the things on that and the
0: inflections he does and the dynamics throughout the song is great and Wayne I'm surprised that this is a a higher score for you because it's almost a six minute long song
1: I don't it's it's I wrote unassuming but powerful like it has I do love the intro which which she just referenced with the with the single note stuff playing and then the distortion comes in behind it and it it's really it's it's a very beautiful song and a very powerful song but like I say it isn't it's not overly dramatic, It just kind of, it's a nice, you know, a nice, what, seven and a half minutes <laughs> you don't, one of those seven and a half minutes times that you don't realize is quite that long. I think ultimately my biggest question that I kept rolling around my head is where did he get the title mayonnaise? I, I mean, mayonnaise is like gross. Like I don't even, I love mayonnaise on a sandwich, but it's this gelatinous white, Blob of stuff. It's all oily. I, I don't know. The title is the most confusing. Yeah, part I didn't. The whole I thing.
0: didn't get that either. Anyone know where he gets gets it from? Maybe he was in the break room or something. Needed a title.
1: Yeah, he had to be looking at a mayonnaise jar or something. Was when he was writing it or something. It's like I got nothing, so I'm just there. You go, mayonnaise.
0: Glad he was looking at that instead of Italian dressing. I know that would be really awkward <laughs> for for a song name.
1: A ranch. I had right? a few song
2: so. titles on my last record that when the. I just had the music and the the engineers like I need a title to title this something just for pro tools and I'd be like, "Oh, uh, okay." And then I would have to just give them something like,
0: you know, broken broken clocks. Wait, don't don't say anything. Let me see if if I can come okay. up with a few of those. So broken clocks, you just said broken clocks. I'm going to guess that Restless Legs was one of them. Um No? It, was that actually I think it was and I think
2: I worked I worked it into the lyrics after
0: so you're right (laughs) that is awesome that's (laughs) awesome all right let's move on to next song so this is Space Boy
3: I don't need
0: we just talked about how we have no idea what Manny's is uh, related to in that song. Somebody please tell me what this song is about. Cause I have no idea. Okay. Well, I'm about to go
1: on a rant because there we go. And this is not even his, I and I, I want to make it clear that it has nothing to do with Billy Corgan. Apparently when I first heard it, I li- I'm listening to it in the background. I'm doing stuff. This album's on. And the first line is, uh, I feel it. Break Your Bones, Mr. Jones. Jones. And I think, you know what, that sounds, you know, this, I think this is a tribute to David Bowie because, you know, the, you know, the fly tried to break the spiders of Mars bones and his original, his real name is David Jones. And so I'm hearing this. So now completely unbeknownst to him, Mr. Corrigan, I have now made this a David Bowie tribute song in my mind. So as I'm listening to it, I'm not really fully getting the lyrics. And then he says, Has a couple of lines about Space Boy, but also it goes into this real. uh, He's got that acoustic guitar, and then that real spacey feeling comes in. Just got very reminiscent of Space Oddity. So now I'm I'm in too deep. Now I've made a whole thing for myself. So (laughs) then, this is actually probably one of my more favorite songs. Then I find out he wrote this about his autistic brother. Completely ruined it. Like now I can't even. Now I'm mad. Like, what he didn't. (laughs) I just it. And then, so now when I listened to it earlier, I'm trying to break it down, knowing that it's about his autistic brother, I'm trying to find some sort of perspective to put this all together. And I can't, it almost sounds like maybe he's trying to talk, have a conversation with him about how tough it is being famous, which I, I, I'm never a popular fan of that idea in a song, but I think this song had so much potential that if he, it could actually still literally, if he redid it, maybe be the best tribute to david bowie that was ever written but i'm i'm angry at billy corrigan for stuff that he didn't even know i just feel like he could have done so much better with this song and so much more with it that in the end i i just defeated myself and i, I couldn't i gave it a two wow man
0: <laughs> all that analysis and you still give it a two
1: yeah because it could have just could have been so much it just could have been something it could have been a contender i could have been maybe my favorite song on this record you start talking about David Bowie, and I—you I, got me. I, I,
0: I did have this as a contender, so I put this as my number ten score. There's something about his voice works really well with the acoustic guitar. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't work well with the with the electric guitar. Don't don't con- misconstrue what I'm saying. I just feel like his kind of emoting, the way that he sings and comes across those two elements really work well for me. I just like I said, I don't know what the crap this song is about, but but I I love the fact that you know, he's been rocking us pretty hard throughout this 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 whole this whole record and then all of a sudden we've got this acoustic guitar piece and it it works for me. So, there you go. I think
1: that was bad. The next song I have even more on.
0: There you go. All right. So, so Dave, how about you? What what you got for a score?
2: I had it as a two, but I really, really liked the song, so I felt bad. But I I tend to like a lot of the heavier stuff on this record.
0: All right. So, I grudgingly agree with Wayne on that one. That that <laughs> it's a two. That, that's okay. We're we've noticed yeah. you've you've been agreeing with Wayne a lot with uh, dating back to your Africa uh, answer. So, I get yeah. it. I get it. All right. So, uh, next song is Silver Car Clown Horn.
2: I think it, I think at Walmart back in the '90s it was Silver Fork. Oh, there we go.
1: All right, I remember they did something for that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think I remember picking it up, and I had there was a copy that said Silver Fork, and I had the other version, but I was like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> All right, somebody, somebody, get us started on this song. All right. Well, I'm going to do it again because this could have been my, this would have been hands down my favorite song uh, if he would have just let it happen. It has it has in the title I I that's great it comes in with this these tribal drums that are playing and this and this, and then a great riff and the distortion comes in and then some more drums and it's so heavy and so just in your face and the lyrics are just he's just spitting them out and at about and even though it starts with this one minute you know intro he's just it's revved up and running down the road and I am I, I don't know what he's saying but I love it And then at 240, he starts to come off the tracks. And then by 303, he's officially now in a self-indulgent waste of Richard Branson's money. (laughs) And he goes, so he goes silent. And I'm still, this whole time I'm thinking he can still save this. He starts that, I, you know, uh, what is it? I I feel no pain. He starts to repeat that a few times. And I'm like, okay, we can bring this back now. Rev it back up and let's go. Nope. He has to say, I feel your pain another four or five more times then at about what four minutes where he could have just cranked this back up and got us back where we wanted. Now he goes underwater. He starts, it's a cool, and the whole time, none of, all of these elements are still in and of themselves. Cool. If he'd have used them, maybe one of them or spiced them together or made this whole thing, this little interlude a minute long, but now he's got He's using his guitar to. It sounds like, like songs of Wales, which once again it works. It's got this whole underwater field, and I'm I kind of think maybe we could bring this back. Maybe we can save this. And then finally at six forty five, he he gets it back on track, but he doesn't. Once he goes on for another minute, then at seven thirty, he just comes off. He comes unglued. And now he's got what a minute from there he goes on with a minute and twelve seconds of noise that would make Thurston Moore put his hands over his ears. Smashing Milk goes back to the Smashing yeah, Milk. He, 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 this could have been one of the best Smashing Pumpkin songs ever if, if he if he'd have just if he'd have just try if he'd have just tried less hard like if he'd have just let it happen. All right. Well, it, it makes me angry. That's that's ultimately as you, if you can't tell. That's what happened. I'm I'm definitely feeling a little bit of the
0: anger, but here's what's interesting. So you still gave it a good score.
1: Like I know because the first that first 2 minutes and 40 seconds, I did I actually considered having this my lowest score and I thought but then I would listen to the song again and that and and every time it started, I I absolutely loved it. Like I just loved it. And then I, it, I could tell, I could look at the counter on the, on the music player and know when it was about to happen and then off it goes. And then, then it would just make me mad again. And I said, you know what? There's 13 songs. There's a top half, a bottom half. I'm putting this one right in the middle, just for, just for, cause of all the potential it has as for how badly it failed to meet it for me. Cause I'm not, I, I'm, not Billy Corgan. I've never written songs that sold millions of copies. So maybe I don't know anything, but I, I feel very strongly about this for some reason.
0: All right. Let's see if Dave is still awake after that long. Diet uh, I, no, I, I let him get it out.
2: I, uh, I, I disagree with sort of the sentiment of it because it was pr- of what he's saying. Cause it's probably something they played live at like, small bars in the nineties and, and, and developed it into this longer thing that, you know, in the dark, that, that long stuff you were complaining about probably felt pretty cool to buy about on that. Um, I, this was one of my favorites for sure always has been. And I, but I do think you're right. You're, you're fair to think those things. And that's probably why they put it 11th because it it's, it, it sits well towards the end because they know a lot of people, you know think the same way you do and might turn it off by that point or whatever so at least you it's 11th on the tr- track listing for them so they they knew they were taking
0: a risk by going along but they're like you know let's do it anyway well apparent apparently the the risks have paid off for you two because you your scores are way higher than mine is so dave what was your score i think it was a seven yes and then wayne also a seven. All right, and 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 let me let me tell you why my score is what it is. Okay, so I gave it a one, and the reason why is if I have to fast forward a song, your song's not going to be one of my favorites. And when you when you're clocking in at eight minutes and forty three seconds, I fast forward it. I, it got too long for me, and you know, this is a guy who. Uh, I will sit through nine minutes of, of flood of sunshine by the posies. So I'm, it's not that I'm, I'm not, uh, attuned to sitting through an eight and eight, almost nine minute song. It's just, it got, it got to the point where I just, I, I fast forward it. So on principle, I gave it a one. If there was a radio edit of this, I bet it would be one of my favorite songs on the record vilify me all you want smashing pumpkins fans that's that's my justification for my score so and i would apologize but i don't do that um (laughs) all right so so let's move on we got two we got two more uh here is sweet sweet So so Dave, tell me, tell me your score on this. Well, I, I had to put it at
2: a one, but not, I I love other song on the record. It just, when I was just picking, it just ended up being last. Um, Something had to be last. So it's just a, you know, it's, it's a good song, but it's just a short little kind of feels like an in-between song because you just got, done with that other song silver fork and then uh you know there's only one track after that so you know it's just a it's a good little song towards the end of the record but it's uh, just a short extra song they probably
0: didn't even need to put on the record right yeah they could have put blue away instead of this song yeah just saying all right uh how about you wayne what do you think on this song
1: Um, I think it gets extra points because it's a minute and 38 and he just made me listen to eight minutes and (laughs) 40 seconds. And it's, uh, I have, I wrote appropriately titled. It is very sweet. Um, it, this one actually has a little bit of harmony for the first time and it ends suddenly. So I know he knows how to do it. See, here's what I wanted more for this
0: song. I really, I really like this song.
1: And I think they could have, this could have been the last song. I mean, it, it has a yeah. real, uh, a, a real nice finishing touch to it. Not that I didn't like the next song, but I thought this one, you know, if I, I've already taken control of production on this record, I might as well, I would have moved this one to the end. Right. I,
0: I almost feel like he's, uh, n- now that I'm looking at all of the scores and looking at the, the times on all of this, I almost feel like he's, he's going. See, I can I can do a short song. Yeah, that like, yeah, yeah, only come proves on.
1: that you could have done it before. Right. Uh
0: but I, I really do like this song, regardless of it being a minute and thirty-eight. I uh, I, I want somebody to do a longer version of this song. So to so Dave, maybe um, on your next record. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. All right. So I gave it an eight and, and then Wayne. I gave it a six yeah and i really don't like my score i think i gave it more of a a a higher score just because i don't know why um i don't like my score i think i'd like to give it a little lower but whatever um all right let's finish this up luna Wayne get get us uh get us finished off with Luna good way to wrap up the record
1: I, I would have used the previous song this one to me sounds and I don't I guess I'm trying to place it in my mind if drown off the single soundtrack was before this or after this I would assume that it was before, before okay so this is then I would say this is a this is what drown could have been I think it's because it has a very very eerily similar sound to that. And uh, and drowned, which I liked up until about the the four minute mark. Um, this one, I enjoyed all the way through. And I like to say the lyrics are almost a little bit sweet and kind of hopeful. You yeah. know, the, the the line about those moon songs you sing your babies will be the songs to see you through. It's just a lot of. It's just a little bit, I guess, a little bit brighter um, lyrically than, at least in parts.
0: Yeah. Did you, Did you guys? get a feel like this this song belonged more on melancholy and the infinite sadness than it did on this record
1: there were a few songs this would be one of them that definitely felt like building blocks for what was to come next
2: yeah yeah i wanted to score it higher this this was one of my favorites for sure i think it's a great album closer um you know especially because you've you've had all those that heavy stuff and then you you end on a mellow note. It's, it's, I
0: really like that one. always have. Yeah. I, I like this uh, song too. I don't like my score for it though. I will. Uh, I, really yeah, I agree.
1: It. I mean, but like, and like we've discussed earlier and on other records, this one, there weren't any songs like where you listen to it and you're like, that is my least favorite song. Like, I don't know. I don't need to hear it again. I'm on to put the, put a one next to that one. This album, I, I listened to and listened to and listened to. I was listening to it just before we went on the air. Um, I finalized my scores, you know, at eight o- eight o'clock this morning, because it was, you know, I knew I knew what was in the top half, I knew what was in the bottom half, but I didn't really know how to reconcile them all because it's it's a solid album.
0: Yep, yep. All right, let's get some scores on this. So, Dave, um, an eight, and then Wayne, a five, and then I gave it a four and like i said i don't i don't like my scores i really don't this was i know that i've said this before wayne some of these some of these records that we've gone through have been really difficult to score and i bet if we did this episode a year from now my scores would be completely all different i think it's just time and time and place. And maybe, maybe somewhere down the, the, the line, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be okay with silver fork being, a, a an eight, 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 almost nine dare. minute hung.
1: Don't you dare.
0: Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So what do you guys think is our, uh, our top score? Uh, disarm. Yeah. Disarm yeah. average score of 12. How about number two today? Cherbro no a rocket. Today was our fifth. Rocket was our third. Um Cherub Rock? The one that we can't we can't figure out what the title is about. Man yeah. exactly. I
1: completely yeah. forgot.
0: Yeah. And then uh and then Cherub Rock, that uh, that was our fourth. So that's a solid five, right? Yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah. I'm 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 good with that. All right. So did we, did we cover everything on this? Did we miss anything? Oh,
1: we we took care of this. I think we did.
0: I think we did, too. So, Dave, this has been a, a pleasure revisiting with you. Yeah. So rem- remind our listeners where they can find all the happenings of Dave Kooning.
2: Well, it's just under my last name, Kooning, which is usually people don't know how to spell. But um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know website kooningmusic.com and then apple and spotify and all those places will have my music
0: etc all right perfect so uh one last question for you and i'm lifting this question from a fellow podcaster here in orlando who does the scotch and good conversation podcast so dave who do you know that i don't know who would want to join us on the podcast to revisit one of their favorite records
3: hmm
2: who do
0: I know put you on the spot put me on
2: the spot i mean i can mention it to mark mark stormer or
0: something if you want, if you want awesome. he's he's,
2: a, he's intelligent at talking about music
0: we'd love it yeah, yeah that'd Absolutely be great yeah yeah give us the intro we, we'll 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 run with that okay all right So uh, for the listeners, as a reminder, you can find all of our happenings on our Facebook page for the Records Revisited podcast. We're on Instagram using the hashtag Records Revisited podcast. Uh, Don't go on Twitter with that because apparently that other uh, podcast that I mentioned earlier uh, took the Twitter handle. So we but Wayne and I don't use Twitter. So that's just a haven of crapola. I mean, (laughs) you know,
1: discontent. Uh,
0: hate, discontent, you know, leader of the free world uses Twitter a lot. Say no more. Um, all right. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Castbox, Stitcher. You can also find us at our podcast host page at recordsrevisa.potomatic.com. And we are also now on the iHeartMedia uh, app. So you can find us there. Please go subscribe and rate or review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts, go to a live show, buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record, visit a record store, and not just on Record Store Day, we are Records Revisited, and we are...
2: Out. Out.
0: Out.